Grace, mercy, and peace be yours from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, the word Christ, brothers and sisters, is not Jesus' last name. Surprise, surprise. It's a title. Christ is the Greek rendering of the Hebrew word Messiah. So these two words, Christ and Messiah, they mean the same thing. Anointed one. So we call Jesus the Christ or the anointed one because Scripture repeatedly teaches that He is the long-awaited Messiah who came to fulfill and enact God's plan of redemption in the world. He is the one anointed for this task of reconciling God to us and us to God. So this idea of anointing, it goes back to the Old Testament. And it's, it has its origins and its associations with the, these three offices, prophet, priest, and king. So if you were living during Old Testament times, you could not just assume that title to yourself. You couldn't just all of a sudden say, I, I, I'm a prophet, or you know, I'm a priest, I, I get to do the stuff that priests do, or I get to rule as king. You actually had to be called by God, and you had to be anointed. So when we say that Jesus is the Christ, we are confessing that he is those three things in their completion, in the fullest sense, in their fulfillment. He is the one anointed by God to be the final prophet, to be our great high priest, and to be our sovereign Lord and King. That's Jesus. So this evening, we hear about Jesus' fulfillment of this first office, prophet, and, and what that means for our salvation. Now, this office, the prophetic office, was established in Exodus. And our reading this evening makes mention of that. When God met with his people on the mountain at Sinai. Now, in the middle of the book of Exodus, we read about God descending to his people to establish the covenant after he had rescued them from slavery in Egypt. So, Moses was charged with going up the mountain listening to God and His Word, and then coming down the mountain and relaying God's Word to the people. Now, at first glance, that sounds just like a, a, a convenient arrangement. But the more we read in the Scriptures, we see why it made sense to establish this office. In chapter 20 of Exodus, it says this, When all the people saw the thunder and flashes of lightning, and the sound of the trumpet, and the mountain smoking, they were afraid and trembled. And they stood far off, and they said to Moses, You speak to us, and we'll listen. But do not let God speak to us, lest we die. So you have to understand this. Otherwise, this whole idea, this concept of prophet isn't going to make sense. No one in the Old Testament expected God to speak directly to them. As a matter of fact, it was a terrifying notion. No one wanted that to happen. Because of human sin, we cannot come in direct contact with God nor listen to Him. So any notion of, of, of God speaking to us that does not account for human sin is completely off track. Now, if you've ever wondered why God doesn't speak directly to you, your sin is part of the answer. Sin has broken our relationship. 
Sin has made us unclean. Sin has made the very presence of God, his voice, terrifying. So here's what God does about this problem. He calls one to speak for him. And in this way, church, he condescends to us and he hides his glory so we are not consumed by it. Another way of saying it is that he speaks through someone, a prophet. So in the Bible, the prophet's job is to speak for God. It's that simple. Both his law and his gospel. So Moses was one such prophet among many. Although he occupied this unique position in Israel, Moses had superstar status, right? Uh, He led God's people out of out of slavery and through the wilderness, and not to mention he authored the first five books of the Bible. So he was a real heavyweight in the mind of the Israelites. Think of him as the George Washington of the prophets. You know how we just, we revere that name as Americans? Well, that's what they thought of Moses. Okay, but in our reading in Deuteronomy, we hear Moses paving the way for his replacement. So the old guard had died in the desert due to their rebellion. A new generation has been raised up during the wilderness wanderings. The Israelites have arrived at the edge of the promised land and they're about to embark upon its conquest. So that's Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is the marching orders, God's word, God reaffirming the covenant for a new generation that are going to follow him into the promised land. This was how they were going to conduct themselves in this new land. And that would include, as it says in the chapter before our reading, that they weren't going to listen to the fortune tellers and the, and the diviners and the soothsayers and the necromancers and the mediums. They weren't going to listen to those people that the pagan nations listened to. They were going to listen to true prophets. So here's what God said through Moses in our reading. The Lord your God. Remember, Moses is going to die. So here's what he says. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your brothers. It is to him you shall listen. It goes on to say that those who did not listen to God's prophet would be judged. Pretty serious stuff. And then it outlines criteria for what makes a true prophet. So there were certain markers that you were looking for to know if somebody was actually speaking for God, right? So if one claimed to be speaking for God, but led the people to chase after other gods, congratulations, you've got a false prophet. The second thing was, if there was one claiming to speak for God and said something would come to pass that ultimately did not come to pass, congratulations, you've got a false prophet. And the penalty for being a false prophet, for claiming to speak for God and in his name, the penalty for this was death by stoning. Something to think about for anyone who would presume to claim this office for themselves today. Yeah, lots of people claim this office out there. Just go YouTube Prophetic predictions for 2024. 
see how many of them actually come to pass. I'll bet you they wouldn't like to put up with the penalty that God actually instituted for prophets. Anyway, I digress. Here's the point. Moses was establishing this continual line of prophets who would continue to speak God's word to his people on his behalf. They would come from among the Israelites like Moses and God would put his words in their mouth. Now, this continual line of prophets, men who would speak for God, it would have its end point. The Israelites understood this passage as establishing not only a continual line, but they also understood this as a prophecy about a final prophet, capital P, prophet, the one who comes in and takes over for all the others, as it were. So we see in the New Testament, John the Baptist comes on the scene as a voice crying in the wilderness and he establishes himself as that penultimate prophet, not the final prophet, but the one that's right before the final prophet. And he's calling God's people unto repentance. And it provoked questions from the priests and the Levites, didn't it? In John chapter 1, here's what they asked him. They said, are you Elijah? Because they expected another one in the spirit of Elijah to come, right? And John, at the time, he said no, but later Jesus would have to tell him, yes, you are, bro. That's who you are. <laughs> and then they asked him this. They said, are you the prophet? So you see, they were expecting not just any prophet, but the prophet, capital P. This prophet who would come from Israel and would teach God's word authoritatively like Moses. They expected one to be anointed by the Spirit of God to, as Isaiah says, bring good news to the poor, to proclaim liberty to the captives, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And so John's prophetic ministry was fulfilled when the one greater than he stepped into the waters of the Jordan. When Jesus was baptized, what happened? The heavens opened the Spirit of God descended upon him like a dove, and God the Father spoke. He said, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. There in those waters, Jesus stepped into his threefold office. There he stepped into his office as the Christ, the Anointed One. Now, he did not become the Christ, like he wasn't Christ before, but this is what he was doing. He was taking up this office publicly, this office that was prepared for him before the foundations of the world by the Father. Here in the Jordan was the one who was going to speak authoritatively and ultimately. And Scripture teaches us not only does he speak for God, not only does he speak God's word, but he is the very Word of God through whom all things were made. That very Word which has now become flesh, as John chapter 1 teaches. In Luke chapter 4, we hear of Jesus teaching in the synagogue. And He goes up there and He unrolls the scroll of Isaiah and He finds the place where it says, 
that there's going to be one anointed by the Holy Spirit to proclaim liberty, to proclaim the Lord's favor, and so forth. And Jesus said to his hearers, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. In other words, that's me. The prophet that Isaiah is referring to, I am that guy. That's an interesting sermon to sit in on, isn't it? Hebrews chapter 1 says that long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. Jesus Christ is not just any prophet as Islam asserts. You know, Islam believes that, right? That Jesus is just one of, among many prophets. He's not just any prophet. He is the prophet who has superseded Moses, Elijah, and all the rest, even the heavyweights. Remember the Mount of Transfiguration? Whenever the three disciples witnessed Jesus in his divine glory, and there Jesus was at the top of the mountain showing forth his divine glory. And who is he talking to? Moses and Elijah, the two heavy hitters. And then God the Father speaks from the cloud. And what does he say? Listen to Moses. Did he say that? Everybody go like this. God the Father said, listen to Elijah. Did he say that? No, he said, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. Listen to him. Yes, brothers and sisters, listen to him. Because Jesus still speaks. Jesus still carries on in his prophetic office, calling us to repentance, urging us to holiness of living through the law, and forgiving us our sins, granting us eternal life and the freedom to live as God's people in the gospel. But where does Jesus speak to us? John chapter 10, he says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. So where, church, where is the voice of this final end times prophet to be found where he is still living and active? It's in the sure and certain words of Holy Scripture. You know, just as in the Old Testament, the people of Israel heard the Lord Yahweh's voice through Moses and through his writings, so now the Lord's voice is heard through the prophets of old and through the apostles of the new. Jesus told them, he told his disciples, he who hears you, hears me. St. Peter writes in his second epistle, he said that we have something more fully confirmed than the mountain of transfiguration itself. That is the prophetic word to which we would do well to pay attention. He's talking about the scriptures. We hear the voice of Jesus when we crack open our Bibles and our devotions, when we study it together as his people, when you hear from your pastor in the pulpit, you hear the voice of Jesus, when a fellow believer shares God's word with you, there Jesus is still speaking. There in the word God directs us, listen to him. 
So listen to me now, brothers and sisters, because I speak not on my own authority, but from the preaching office that Christ himself established so that his sheep would hear his voice. I speak not from a gut feeling, nor from my wicked and deceitful heart, but I speak from the sure and certain words of Scripture. I tell you that while Moses waited to die outside the promised land, he longed for the day when the prophet would appear bringing the fullness of God's promises to bear on His people. I tell you that on the Mount of Transfiguration, He saw His prophecy brought to its fulfillment when God the Father's voice bore witness from the cloud, this is my beloved Son, listen to Him. And I tell you that by His incarnation, His life, death, In resurrection, Jesus, the eternal Word of God made flesh, the final end times prophet, has made you His own. He was baptized as your Christ, and you have been baptized into Him. He has died, and you also have died with Him. He is risen, and you have risen to the newness of life spiritually and will one day rise physically with Him on the last day. This is His word to you, to which you would do well to pay attention. This is most certainly true. In the name of Jesus, Amen.